before we get started, I wanted to recommend a podcast that we like called Vanishing Postcards. Hosted by Texas native Evan Stern, its latest season invites listeners to ride shotgun as Evan motors west cross-country on Route 66. From a dance in Tulsa to an Amarillo eating contest and a morning on the Santa Monica Pier, Vanishing Postcards explores how the past, present, and future of this most iconic of roads is revealed through the stories of people and places found driving it today. It's perfect for when you need a breather but don't have the luxury of hitting the open road. You can join this trip by following Vanishing Postcards wherever you get your podcasts. What advice would you give your 12-year-old self? Ooh, um, don't worry, the pubes will come. (laughs) The post-pubescent voice you hear is Zach Rosen, a podcast host and producer based in Detroit. He's the creator of The Best Advice Show, a show where Zach gets guidance from guests on just about everything. But I assume my question might have been a first for him. When we were 12, we were talking about pubes. And that just reminded me that now, as we're all around 40, nose hair is the new one. Like, I'm trimming my nose hair, like, a couple times a month now. Zach and I have been talking recently about adolescence, specifically his upbringing and rites of passage as a middle schooler growing up in West Bloomfield Township in Michigan. He was a kid very deeply in love with baseball and hanging out with his friends. That was his comfort zone. And like anyone's childhood, there were times when he was outside of that comfort zone, like when he had to be in social settings and mingle with kids he didn't know and maybe have to confront some early courting rituals. And the biggest example of that from his childhood was when he took classes with Joe Cornell Entertainment. This was a staple of upbringing for generations of kids in West Bloomfield. What is Joe Cornell Entertainment? So when you turn 13, when you're a Jew, often you'll have a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah if you're a girl. And these bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs are are very similar in that they are built around dancing. And what Joe Cornell does is they have this like 10-week course where every week you and your friends go. Um, You know some of the kids, you don't know others because some of them come from other schools. And for like an hour and a half, you get these dance lessons. Some kids are like really good dancers at that point. Other kids are absolutely terrified of a dance floor. And so there's that spectrum of kids who are like, oh, this is my time to shine. And then other kids who are like, I cannot believe my fucking parents are making me do this because there's nothing more scary than the possibility of me having to touch a girl Mm. on her waist and, and sway side to side. And where did you fall? I think I was in the middle. I wasn't confident as a dancer, but I did know that dancing was fun if I was able to somehow transcend my self-consciousness. I was just feeling like, man, this is going to be a a vulnerable and fragile thing. Throwing me into a, a room with a bunch of other kids my age, and I still feel like that kid. Feeling like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is a facade. Like, I'm not an adult. I'm just kind of flailing and figuring it out as I go. And recently, there's a picture from a younger period in Zach's life that he's sort of become obsessed with. It's Zach and his buddy David. 
in the middle of dance classes at Joe Cornell Entertainment. There's this photo of one of my best friends, David Gluckman, and I. He's on the left. I'm on the right. It's 1995, so we are 11. And here we are with slicked back hair, wearing like ridiculous acid-washed jeans with tucked-in undershirts. Like we're trying to be like greasers, but we're <laughs> just like so dorky and unintimidating. When I look at my face in this, it is me. Like I that like that's me. But at the same time, there is such a huge chasm of difference between who I was as an eleven-year-old. Like I said, you know, will my pubes ever come? Am I gonna ever get a girlfriend? Will I ever feel comfortable talking to girls? What is my life to where I am now, which is a husband and father of two? Like I am about the age that my parents were at the time that this photograph was taken, and I think I started to think about that. Like, holy shit. And so I looked at this photo and was like, oh, what would it be like to somehow time travel back to that period of my life, that period of vulnerability and self-consciousness? And then Zach came up with a time-traveling option, retaking the dance classes through the eyes of a 12-year-old, so to speak. I thought, oh, what if I could follow two kids kind of like me and David, like find some kids like us and embed with them throughout the course of their semester at Joe Cornell. And that's what I did. Get ready, my friends. We are going back to middle school. I'm Zach Rosen, and this is Other Men Need Dance Lessons. In today's episode, Zach Rosen goes back into the world of that photo through the eyes of two boys taking the same dance classes Zach and his friends encountered a generation or two earlier. The audio story you're about to hear was recorded nearly a decade ago, and it's more of an audio snapshot, a portrait of these two age groups and the environments and conversations that go along with either being a middle school kid or a former middle school kid many, many years removed. It's an immersive listen into these worlds, and you're in Zach's hands for a bit. We'll be back afterwards to pull out some updates from what we all just heard. The dance step sounds like this. Don't do it yet. A one, two, three, four. We're going to put a little music on. And we're going to see if we can make this happen, okay? Ready? You'll have a partner in a minute. Bend your elbow a little bit, because you got to get a little closer. Hand, hand, hand. Okay, do we have music? You find something? Amadeus, hit it. Hello? David? Zach? I just sent you a picture via email. What do you see when you see that picture? Um, it's a picture of you and me standing in front of a brick wall in my mom's living room, and we're both wearing faded jeans and white t-shirts that are, uh, I'm pretty sure they're tucked in. Yeah, we were, I do recall that that was like 50s night at Joe Cornell. Right. So we're about to go in like, kind of like sock hop style, 
uh, theme night at dance class. We were really young at like 12 years old. We looked like very young people. I'm like years away from facial hair. For sure. Did I tell you what I've been doing? What's that? I actually am following two kids who actually live in our old neighborhood. I'm following them through dance through Joe Cornell. I feel like it would be almost more awkward to be an observer than to be the kid because I don't think we even knew how awkward we were at that point. Were we were we self-aware? Do you hear me? Do you copy? Sorry, I've been sitting in school all day. Can you hear me now? Yes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dylan. I am 10. I'm actually going to be 11 in November. I'm Ryan. I'm 11, turning 12 in three months. We're at my house. And we're eating pigs in a blanket, but fancy pigs in a blanket. Parmesan pastry pops, Dylan. Get it right. <laughs> bon appetit. Yes, bon appetit. Let's eat. Thank you, Mr. Gary Goodman. I'm really hot. Yeah. We're going to go to Joe Cornell in a couple minutes. We're going to see what it's all about because it's the first time. So what do you think the point of Joe Cornell is? So you can kind of get the feel of what bar mitzvahs are going to, bar and bat mitzvahs are going to be like. And you're not totally lost when you get there. What's up, buddy? Hey, Yoni. So what do you remember about Joe Cornell? <laughs> most, the most awkward phase of my life, I would say. Why was it so awkward? We were 12 and forced to touch girls before we were ready while performing a box set. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Mom. Bye. Have yeah. a great time. Guys, put it, palm up. Girls, show me your ring. Show me your ring. Right hand, show me your ring. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Say, look at my ring. Look at my ring. Boys, take her knuckles and, and really examine her ring. That's the right dance position. So put your thumb right on top. Take a look. Oh, yeah. See? Then drop it down real low. That's the dance position, okay? We're getting there. And this is just dance position. Okay. Ready? Do you remember, like, being comfortable in that setting? Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like you were just having a good time. Hell yeah. I mean, I don't know. We were just dancing. You know, looking like absolute putzes. <laughs> sixth grade. What were you like in sixth grade? Two and a half feet tall with buck teeth and a huge forehead. <laughs> what else did I have? I had that um, the loud, you know, very immature, you know, young voice, which I still have today. <laughs> I never really woke up with a new one. Bummer, but what the hell? Oh, your mom was picking us up? Hi. Hey guys. Hi. 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 What did you guys do? Did you. We, we, we actually learned a new um, dance, like a, we, I hope to. The box, box step. Yeah. And What's the box step? You take a step forward. Just exactly and then step what's to the right, and then step backward, and then step forward. Little boys do, girls do. Seriously, I remember because your bar mitzvah was the first bar mitzvah out of any of us. Right. 
I remember just getting lost in dancing and just getting like lost in the in the fun of the night and the fun of like loud music and like a group of people moving together and I had like never felt it before. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad somebody enjoyed it. I was just a nervous wreck the entire time. I I, I couldn't even enjoy my own bar mitzvah. It was terrible. Why do you think that was? I was nervous about everything. What would you have been nervous about? You think? You know, just like how to act around people and like, you know, I, I it just being the center of attention was like really, you know, I didn't really relish that. Yeah. In the first week, I was actually really nervous. I didn't really want to touch the girls. Oh, this is weird. Would you like to dance? Take his hand, take his hand. But then, um, soon after that, I kind of got used to it. I mean, when I, when I think about my own sexual development, I, I didn't kiss somebody until I was 15, and, and maybe I was ready to a little bit before that, but not much. Um, but three years earlier to that experience, we were sort of put in this artificial environment and forced to become not sexually intimate, but somewhat physically intimate with girls. Just before, I personally felt ready. I, I, I was terrified. You know what you just reminded me of? One of the first bar mitzvahs I went to, I remember it was for Ryan Cass. I remember this kid got a hand job, like in the bathroom at a bar mitzvah. Oh my God. And, you know, 12 years old, I was so far away from wanting a hand job, from knowing what a hand job was. Just that was like so scary just to learn that someone our age was doing that. Like, was I supposed to be doing that? Because I definitely wasn't. With all, like, the girlfriend-boyfriend situation, I think it's sort of awkward because, like, you can't really date. Like, you don't have cars. We don't have cars. You don't have money. Most of us cannot walk to a restaurant or anything like that. Um, Boys and girls can't really meet up places. I mean, like, I wouldn't really date until I had a car. Yeah. Because then I could actually do stuff. And I think it's just sort of weird that dating is considered, like, hanging out in school um, for kids our age. I find it sort of funny. Girls, you take your left hand, put it up on his shoulder. And that opens the door, boys. You get to take your right hand and put it all the way around on her back. Here? What's that called? Scapula. I'm scared. Okay, scapula? Scapula. Jack, this is the end. Yes. Okay, so scapula, that's the chicken wing sticking out. I felt watching watching class um, at Joe Cornell, it was all about, you know, preparing the boys to dance with the girls and the girls to dance with the boys. I was wondering, like, what if you're a boy who wants to dance with a boy or what if you're a girl that wants to dance with a girl? Um, like, I don't really know how that would work, like, a boy slow dancing with a boy or a girl slow dancing with a girl like that. Like, I don't really know anyone like that. I mean, I do, but not, like, my age. I think they're just teaching in general, so they're just teaching 
what generally people would be doing, a boy dancing with a girl. And because even if, like, a boy wants to date a boy or a girl wants to date a girl, um, a boy could still dance with a girl. Like, if I have a girl cousin who I'm just talking to, I could dance with her. Like, that's not, like, it's just like, like, dancing with a friend. It's just casual. It's not, um, real and... Yeah. It's not your like love stuff. So knowing that you were uh, likely going to be put into this room and instructed to dance with with girls, how did that make you feel going into it? I mean. In my brain, I still kind of thought, like, oh, my God, if I, like, put on the biggest, like, happy face and, like, was really excited to dance with girls, people would maybe still think I was straight. So I definitely remember, like, trying to overcompensate, even though I realized that, like, you know, it was great that I didn't have to, like, rub myself against anyone. You could do those, like, long, outstretched, like, arm dances where, like, there's, like, enough space to be for, like, God in between you two. So <laughs> I definitely remember thinking... I would rather have danced with, like, my, like, fellow male students and or the dance instructors. I know I asked you before, but why do you think uh, you, were, you were there tonight? What's the point of this all? As it may be uncomfortable, it's still teaching us. Like, we're going to need the skill in our adulthood if we are going to have a wife. Like, you, they're teaching us, like, pretty much how to ask a girl out. Like, my mom met my dad. He, she hadn't known him until that one day, and then she's like, oh, my God, I need to meet this guy. So, like, if we see a random person who we think is, is like, cool, we have, to like, we have to know how to walk up to someone and ask them to dance if we've never met them. That's sort of what we're doing. But I'd been forgotten, I'd go. I'd been married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? So it'd be front, front, back, back, front, back, inside, outside. Then you um walk it to the walk it to the right. You walk it to the left. Oh no, okay. Tap, tap, back, forward, tap, forward, right. Yeah. Everything you just heard was captured by Zach almost a decade ago. And we were curious how different or similar Ryan and Dylan had become. We wanted to know if they were still friends and what the Joe Cornell experience meant to them. So it turns out these are grown men now. And I had no idea (laughs) they are sophomores in college. So we set up a Zoom. And where are they? So Dylan is at the University of Michigan. And Ryan is at The Ohio University. Their voices have dropped one or two or three octaves. I mean, these guys were so cute then. They had like, you know, little, you know, little baby faces, short hair, high voices. I got on the Zoom with them, not having any idea what they're going to look like now. And they have really solid facial hair game. I asked them to listen to the piece again. I'm Dylan. I am 19 years old. I'm Ryan. I'm 20. I haven't listened to this in like almost 10 years, and you brought back a part of my childhood that I 
have pretty much forgot about. Especially hearing our voices and like how we were behaving at the beginning. You know, it was very like little kid and definitely young, but at the same time, I still feel like that's also kind of how we still interact when we see each other. Like I'm always kind of the hyper one and Dylan's kind of always the like more matter of a fact type of kid. I would hope we've aged out of that kind of awkwardness. Although I'll speak for myself. At the beginning of the story, they just were like, oh my God, I was such a kid. I just sounded like such a little kid. And they clearly were speaking about that period with with some distance because they aren't that anymore. I feel like we were all at that weird point where we're like all just starting to figure out like who we like and like what we're into or whatever. And then they're just like putting you in this really awkward position. And like, I I don't even remember personally being that uncomfortable because I think in sixth grade, I still wasn't really that like interested in girls. This is probably the year before I figured out I was gay. And I remember being like, what is the hype about all this? I danced with a girl and I was like, am I supposed to feel something? I'd be really curious to hear like, at what point you started to feel like a, you know, like a sexual person rather than what we were back in sixth grade? I would say somewhere around high school, I started to, you know, become comfortable with my sexuality. But it was not until freshman year of college. I've been dating my boyfriend for over a year. There's this very kind of like conventional, and we talk about it in the story a little bit, um, way in which like the instructor was like saying, all right, you know, guys, you do this, girls, you do this. And it's very much a kind of hetero, you know, presumed scene. Sure, it's a heteronormative type thing, but I still had a fine time dancing with my girlfriends. It doesn't, n- nobody there was feeling like this is a sexual thing. Both Ryan and Dylan seem to be pretty open kids, now pretty open adults, which is a good enough principle to want to remain friends. According to Zach, these two young college students are still buds. I would say it's like, you know, when you can like go, you can be apart for a long time, then pick up right where you left off. That's definitely what I would say. Definitely. While Dylan and Ryan have maintained a friendship, seeing each other on holidays and checking in pretty often, it seems like they've become distant from their other peers from the Joe Cornell days. And one of the most striking details that I've held on to in these conversations with Zach is the fact that he still remains close to a number of friends from childhood. My first thought, as you and I have talked, is like how unique it remains that I'm still in touch with like all those guys that I was in Joe Cornell with, guys I knew before. To me, it's the luck and the blessing that is having a core group of friends or even just one other friend who you can move through life's big weird awkward stages and challenges with having friends to talk to about not having pubes when you're 11 to not being able to grow a good mustache when you're 17 to having to start trimming your ear hair when you're 40 and knowing that they'll speak at my funeral and vice versa like there's something really um, just heavy about that for me and lucky. Like so many close friends, Zach and his buddies have an active group chat. And they've got names. 
Mingle is the name of the group. Why are we called Mingle? I don't even know. And the name of the annual weekend that we go on together is Mingle Fest. And the people that still live in Detroit, we are known as Seven Layers, named after the Jewish cake that's sold at the local Jewish bakeries. While it's common for some childhood anxieties to stick around as we age, what feels rare to maintain into adulthood are the bonds from a supportive group. I don't know that this is what Zach was expecting to get out of this experience, but in my opinion, it offers him a beautiful reminder of what we had and what many of us mourn when we lose old friendships in adulthood. A helpful link to those days when palms were sweaty, the idea of dating was kind of icky, and having pigs in a blanket from your friend's freezer was a total game changer. I'm curious if you ever look at that picture of you and David or you and other friends, and I don't know if it brings up anything like the fact that you guys have stayed in such close touch over, you know, 30 years. It does. I think it's just one of the most poignant things in my life that for whatever reason, this core group remains. It's like, we just like have a reference point for every period of our life. So there's like a shorthand from today back to 1983, 1984, when we were were born. And so the idea that like 50 years from now, we could be talking about like, oh, so like what nursing home are you going to go to? Or like, maybe we'll all end up in the same one. If you guys do end up in the nursing home together, do you, as a nearly 40-something adult now, do you foresee taking dance classes with your friends <laughs> at the age of 85? Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Definitely. I wonder what dance moves are going to be popular in 2070. This episode was executive produced by Mark Pagan. It was written and hosted by Zach Rosen and me, and produced by Zach with production help from Shanice Tendall and Caitlin May Burke. Our season's lead producers are Caitlin, Ben Goldberg, and Rebecca Seidel. Navani Otero is our producer, and Shanice Tendall is our associate producer. Rebecca is our lead engineer, Ben is our lead editor. Our researchers this season are Bay Wang and Janice Tendall. Tuck Woodstock is our sensitivity listener. Noho Felder is our intern. Season four production mascots are Soka, the furry baby, and the late sweet pity pig named Lena. If you listen really closely, you can hear her snoring in some of the tape this season. Original music this season comes from Fulton Street Music Group, composed by Ed Duran, produced by Alex Fulton. 
with additional instrumentation by Ryan Chamberlain and Liam Moore, as well as original music from Blue Dot Sessions. Season four illustrations done by the magical hands of Daniel De La Huerta. Special thanks to editor Bob Carlson and KCRW's Unfictional, where Zach's story first aired. Do you want another way to follow Other Men Need Help? Starting, or I should say restarting this summer, you can get weekly stories, short films, interviews, and suggestions for what to read, listen, and react to in the world of masculinities by signing up for our newsletter. You can sign up at markpagan.substack.com. That's me, Mark with a K, P-A-G-A-N.substack.com. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. And until then, adios, ciao, ciao, maya. A few weeks before we published this episode, Zach sent me an email with an audio recording you're about to hear and a message saying, a verite recording from my childhood boys trip this past weekend. It may or may not be of use to you. I love the sound of the laughter peaking and dipping. Uh, you have to make is, is think about the create act of creation. It, like, uh, it's the act of cre- it's, it's the act of creating it. It's the act of creating it. <laughs> yeah, do you make? Yeah. Yeah. Of cobbling it together in your soul. Did you, did you furnish that? Have you created shit? Shit production factory is making poop right now. Oh, Sarah. Does anyone have to make? Okay, how many how many poops do you think everyone's made in their lives? Oh my god. What? How many days have you been alive? I know. What do you think? It's days X two. Days X, X 1.5. I would say 1.5. No, I would say 2. It depends if you've done that. I would say 2.